Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you that it it's still speaks to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, when you walked the earth with your disciples, you spoke and your voice still speaks. And I pray today that you'd speak to every heart. You'd give us wisdom and understanding and the mind of the Lord, the spirit of truth, at work today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to pop up a scripture on the board. John chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. I'm going to read the words of Jesus. And uh, John is one of my favourite books. I'm looking forward to when we get there in our YouTube channel, going through the Bible bit by bit. But we'll, we'll jump ahead today. We'll read John chapter 3, 1 through to 15. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life in him. It's a great passage, and then the very next verse is the famous one, which we're not reading, <laughs> you know, for God to love the world. And um, it's just a terrific, terrific passage of scripture, and it's, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, you can think about this more and more and more at deeper levels. We're just going to think about this for a few minutes. So I've got half an hour this morning, because I'm trying to wrap up on time, and I want to dwell on this for 10 minutes, and then I want to dwell on listening prayer for the rest of the time. So kind of like have two stabs at two things. And um, I just want to say that a few weeks ago when my dad was talking about the first resurrection and the second resurrection and the first death and the second death, all, all that stuff, when he talked about the first resurrection, um, that's this. That's when you're born again. It's when the Holy Spirit comes alive in you. That's your resurrection. And we're often thinking of our resurrection as the end of the world, you know, when, you, when your body is brought up to heaven. But no, when you first come alive, that's the moment that the Holy Spirit comes into your life and touches you, and you're born again. That's a resurrection right there. And if you've experienced it, it's an amazing moment. No one really remembers being born. Um, I don't think anyone remembers being born. And that's probably a good thing. 
because it's painful and but but you put yourself in the mind of a little baby and you know you're in this dark environment for a long period of time and all of a sudden you're thrust into the light noises sounds smells you don't even have a way of understanding what those ex things are that you're experiencing but you are experiencing them and it's suddenly a new world and very different well when someone becomes a believer in Jesus Christ they are born when Jesus said this to Nicodemus, he wasn't speaking in a metaphorical way about some kind of a metaphorical, oh yes, you'll be born again, you'll have a new spiritual life. He's talking about something very real where the Holy Spirit, it's almost like the life of God is turned on inside of you and something lives. And in that moment, you, have, you experience light. And some people can remember their experience of being saved very very clearly and that I'm a person like that I remember the experience of being saved my wife is someone that remembers that experience of being saved very very clearly and on that point I'm just going to stop for a second and just say that she was actually born again on this day exactly 21 years ago now what do we usually do for people who have a birthday on a Sunday so I thought I might get her a chocolate. <laughs> there you go. Happy birthday. <laughs> if, uh, if you happen to know your spiritual birthday and it's on a Sunday, don't expect a chocolate. Because <laughs> we don't keep a list of those things. I have no idea. We, we're bad enough at keeping a track of the real birthdays, let alone you know, everybody's day of salvation. But I tell you what, when you are born again, it's a real, real birthday. It's um, for the person who experiences what it's like to go from dark to light. Now, some people I know, their salvation's a process. A lot of people, they grow up in church, their salvation's kind of a process, it happens gradually. It's still a real experience of going from dark to light. But for some people, it happens in a minute. And when that happens to you, you've got a very contrasting experience. And um, I don't know how to explain it really. I know when, I experienced it when I was four years old and it was a very real moment for me, an unforgettable moment. I don't remember much about when I was four, but I remember that moment. It doesn't mean you're perfect. You're not perfect. You'll make mistakes. I've made plenty. But there's something about that moment where the life of Christ is in you and truthfully you've just been born and you're just a baby and you know babies have a lot of growing up to do but you begin and it's wonderful and Jesus said it to Nicodemus he said you must be born again Nicodemus is all confused because he's only thinking of physical things but the spiritual birth is very real in fact it's more real than the physical and for those who've experienced the spiritual birth, the Holy Spirit touching their life and you're turned on, it's profoundly wonderful. But you get used to it, unfortunately. Um, it's like when someone's been overweight for a long, long time and they put all that effort in to go to the gym and they detox and they eat healthy food and then they say to you, I feel so good. But then you meet them a few years later and they're still skinny. They probably are still just as healthy as they were, but they got used to feeling so good. You know what I mean? You adjust to that new normal. And for anyone who's come to know the Lord, you've probably adjusted to that wonderful normal of living in the light. 
You know, it's not like you had an experience and now it's gone. No, you're living in that light. Um, but you've just gotten used to it. So you've got to press into the Lord and grow. And um, I just wanted to say that, that when we get saved, this is not some kind of intellectual believing process. And some people, you know, because there's a verse in the Bible that says that you must believe, if you believe on the Lord, you'll be saved, right? We, and we often go around saying to people, do you believe in Jesus? And so it comes across like a very intellectual type of a thing. If you believe in a factual God, you'll be saved. But no, that's not how it works. It, it's not about believing in your brain because, as we've just said, there's a process where your spirit is born again. There's something that happens within you that bypasses the brain. The brain's involved for sure, but it's not a brain thing only. And we know that's true because the devil believed in God, but the devil is not saved. So there's an example of someone that does not know the life-changing power of salvation, but they know that, that God is real and they believe in him. Now, the type of belief that we experience as Christians is a belief that comes from the heart. And this is best, you can read this best in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 10, where Paul said, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess and are saved. So where do you believe to be saved? Is it in your mind or is it in your heart? It's in your heart. That's what Paul is saying. So something takes place that does involve the mind for sure, but it's not a mind thing only. The heart must be saved, the heart must believe, and that means your trust is placed in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a movie, one of those old Walt Disney ones called Million Dollar Duck. Interesting movie about a duck that lays golden eggs and, you know, interesting story. But right at the end of the story, you know, it's this kid's pet. He's got his duck and you know, everyone's trying to take the duck because they want the golden eggs, but the kid just wants his pet duck. And he's like trying to run away from the rogues and he's hiding on this building and it's like five stories down to the ground and, and they put this ladder out and they're telling the kid to come across the ladder. And he doesn't know if he trusts it because it's a long way down. Well, in that moment, what type of faith does that kid have to have to get across? <laughs> he's, got to, he's got to trust in something right then in that moment. And in the movie, you know, someone, I think it might be his dad, reaches out with his hand and because he trusts his dad, he reaches out and grabs his dad's hand and, you know, he gets saved. The ladder crashes and falls to the ground, but he just gets across. Well, that's the type of salvation we're talking about. It's not just a brain thing only. It's, it's a placing your trust in Jesus Christ. And you know, there's a lot of um, videos out there on YouTube that talk about all the facts and figures about God, God this and God that, and this is the reasons why you should believe in God. It's all very intellectual, and it won't save anyone on its own. But the minute someone hears the facts, and then they turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I think it's true, you know, help me. The minute the heart reaches out to God, now it's gone beyond the mind. Now that's the type of believing faith that the Bible talks about and that's when a person is saved. And often that's the moment when the Holy Spirit sparks that life in a person and they are born again. So this is what you need to be praying for. You need to be praying for your neighbours, your friends and your family, that their heart will believe. The heart has to trust. And that's one of the reasons why Bible bashing doesn't work because Bible bashing pushes the heart away from God. You've got to win the heart of people 
not win the mind. And we're also trying to win the mind of people that we push the heart away. But no, you've got to be filled with Christian love. Anyway, you might need God's help to be filled with Christian love. Do your best. You share the truth for sure. But you're praying to bring people to faith and salvation. Anyway, I wanted to share all of that because we want to be a church that grows and we need to understand how that faith works. And plus, my wife's birthday today just made me think I should share all of that with you. And so it's very, very exciting and, um, to be saved and I am sure glad that I am. So, one more thought about that before I talk about listening prayer. In the delivery room of a hospital, there are these wonderful people, usually they're women, they're called midwives, and they're just fabulous, and where would we be in the world without them? Nearly every single one of us have been helped by one of them in our life. Well, spiritually, that's what you are. You're a midwife. You've been put here to help bring someone to birth. And, you know, sometimes there are obstacles that stop that birth. Things that get stuck, babies get stuck in the birthing process, and they're not just coming out like they're supposed to. Well, that's your job as a Christian. You've got to pray people through until they are birthed. So you think about your friends and family and neighbours and you think, what's wrong? Why aren't they coming to salvation? What's holding them up? What's the blockage in the birth canal? Well, you've got to pray about it. You've got to help those people come through. That's your job. All right. So this week, we're about to start a week of listening prayer. Moving on to my second point. And we are rushing because the National Church Life Survey awaits. But what I'm about to say, even though brief and to the point, is not unimportant. It's very important. I want to read to you just seven verses and then make some comments on them. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. In the book of Revelation, you know, one of the most complicated books in the Bible, but a fun, fun book, one of my favourite books. But there are these seven letters to seven local congregations seven churches and one of them was in the city of Ephesus and we could have picked any of them to read this morning but this is the one I picked and it says this to the angel by the way the word angel is just the word messenger which could mean a human it could be a human being who's a messenger it could be an angel who's a messenger from God when you write read to the angel I think it was probably the human messenger that was going to deliver the letter um, doesn't make sense to me that an angel would be the person this letter was written to. But anyway, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I have this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favour. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the garden of God. Whoever has ears, let him hear. All the letters, all the seven letters in Revelation end with this saying, whoever has ears, let them hear. And we're talking about, we're going to have a week of listening prayer this week. 
And this is a great verse to contemplate. If you have ears, let you, you know, be a hearer. Now, do you have ears? I don't know anyone who doesn't have ears. I can tell you a very funny story about someone who only had one ear, but I don't want to distract you this morning because I've got to get this done by 11. <laughs> so come and ask me about that story. It's a perfect story for Easter. You know the story in Easter where the guy had his ear chopped off? It'll be a story for that occasion. But um, if you've got ears, and you all do, then Jesus said you need to hear. Now that was a, a figure of speech. Jesus, it's not only here in Revelation that that phrase appears, it's in other places in the Bible as well. When Jesus would tell parables, often he would finish his parable by saying, anyone who has ears, let them hear. And that was a way of saying, um, you've got to pay attention to this thing that I've just said. You've got to hear it at a deeper level. That was kind of what he was saying. Pay attention, basically. This was something very important that was just told to you. And so I realise from that, and I'm sure you all realise that there are different levels of hearing. Okay? You can be walking through the shops, like we do all the time, and there's music playing. You're hearing the music, but you're not paying any attention to the music. So there's a very basic level of hearing. It's going on, it's going in, you're kind of semi-vaguely aware that it's there. Um, and there's lots of things in life like that. There's, there's times I'm at home and someone's talking to me and I have no idea they're talking to me. I think they're talking to someone else and I'm just not paying them attention. So I'm vaguely aware that there's words going on, but I'm not hearing. That's level one. We all do that. Level two is conscious hearing. It's like where someone says, starts talking to you directly and you're listening to them. So you're hearing the words that are being said. But sometimes you can hear the words that are being said, but you don't hear what they say, right? I know I've been told by people, you're not listening to me. Well, I was listening to them. I was actually paying them attention, looking at them in the eyes, hearing the words they were saying, but apparently I wasn't listening to them. Now, how do they know I wasn't listening to them? Because the words I was saying back in response were indicating that I hadn't heard the meaning of what was being said. So that's how they knew I wasn't listening. So there's, there's another level. You can hear the words, but you, cannot, you somehow cannot actually hear them. You cannot hear what is intended to be conveyed. And then there's, of course, this hearing at the third deeper level, genuine hearing, really hearing what is being communicated. And that presumably is what Jesus was referring to when he said, if you have ears, then hear. So when Jesus would share a parable with the disciples or with other people, they would all hear the meaning of the words. Oh, you know, there was a farmer that went out to sow seeds. They would hear the story, and then Jesus would say, if you have ears, then hear. Now what Jesus is saying at this point is, I want you to hear what I'm actually telling you. It's not just the story. There's something else deeper that you have to get. And so all these letters in the book of Revelation are like that. Then they're letters that were written to those seven churches and yet for you and I there are things we should hear when we read those letters that will help us in our Christian walk. So I thought about these three levels of hearing because over the years we've been a church that's tried to do listening prayer. We've trying is you know the proper way of describing us because we've been mostly not that successful but we've tried and we first started this 25 years ago 
February 1997. So it's been 25 years, it's been a quarter of a century, and we've tried to be a listening people. And um, what level of hearing would you say, as a people, we've succeeded at? Would you say we've succeeded at level one, level two, or level three? <laughs> well, I would say we've definitely succeeded at level one. <laughs> I would say we've definitely succeeded some of the time at level two. And I would say we've rarely succeeded at level three. And the reason I say that is because there's been a thing that God has said. Now, every time we've had some listening prayer and we, we write down the words we think that the Lord's giving us, there's something that he keeps on saying. He said it so many times. It's almost like he could back it up by saying, you're not listening to me because he's had to repeat it for 25 years. So... I know a lot of human beings that get frustrated way less than 25 years, but God is so patient. And um, I guess the word for this morning would be, he who has ears, let him hear. And what is the thing that the Lord keeps saying every time we have listening prayer? What is it that he keeps saying? What, what was it? Pay attention. Yeah, he, he actually keeps saying that thing. He actually keeps saying to listen. So it's funny because you're in listening, you get a word from the Lord where you hear him say, listen to me. And you'd think to yourself, oh, well, I am. But no, that's level two listening. That's not the level three. What God wants is for us to hear what he means by that, not what we think he means by that. <laughs> so, you know, we've got to hear it at the deeper level. He who has ears, let him hear. So I think... After 25 years of trying, it's time for us to try again. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that the Lord is patient with us. As I was reading through the letters in Revelation this week, because this, this phrase, he who has ears, let him hear, stood out to me as, you know, kind of a listening phrase. So I went and read all the seven letters of the, to the churches of Revelation, just thinking about what God was saying to these churches. And I realized that in every single one of those churches, God was so patient with them. Go and read the seven letters again sometime and just look at it from a point of view of God's patience with people. We know that God was patient with the children of Israel. For hundreds of years, he was so patient with them. But God's patient with churches. God's patient with Christians. He often asks us to do things and we take a million years to get around to doing it and God is so patient. We think if we mess up, he's going to slap us around the head in one minute flat, but he doesn't. And go read those seven letters to the seven churches and you read every single one of them. He's just so patient. And he says things like, I'm going to give you time to repent. And he, <laughs> and, uh, he says, you know, um, you've done so much. And I know you're barely hanging on, but just hang on a bit more. He says all things like that. And the, when you read these letters, you realise what a loving, kind God we have. And every single letter ends with this one phrase, he who has ears, let him hear. What can we give to God to show him how much we love him back? We can give him our attention. So we have a, a week of listening prayer this week. We've got, to, we've got to make a go of it. And then after the week of prayer is over, we've got to make a go of continuing to be a listening people in some way. And that's the reason why we'll kick back into our Wednesday days of listening once this week of listening prayer is over. I just want to end this um, 
little message with two brief thoughts. I was um, actually in listening prayer a few months ago and I had um, a visionary experience. And um, there's all sorts of visions. You know, people have visions at all, in all different types of ways. Sometimes the vision's kind of like a daydream and then you realise, oh, I've been daydreaming and then you realise, oh, it was kind of like a profound daydream. It was almost like the Lord just, you know, led your thoughts in this direction. But sometimes you, you have a visionary experience where it's like your mind gets taken over briefly. They're less common, but it's kind of like you're going to see this thing. You don't have a choice about it. And it was one of those. I don't have them very often, but I had this visionary experience where I just suddenly was standing in this gigantic room, probably the size of this room, and it was filled with machines and gears and things were spinning and levers were connecting and that thing was doing something incredible. I don't know what the machine was. But you know, like if you've ever seen a photo of an amazing factory and it's whirring and it's, it's producing some great thing and you probably don't understand it. I went on a high school excursion to the Boyne Island power station and I was just in awe of everything I saw there. Something like that. I was in a room full of machines just working and producing something and then the vision ended. I was just momentary. And I've been contemplating what that was all about and I think I finally understand it because I did ask the Lord. I said, Lord, can you help me understand what it was you were showing me? And he said, that's, or at least the impression that I had was that's what happens when the people of God start listening. Something kicks in, something starts to happen. Things start to be produced. So you don't see any of that when you're actually doing listening. You're just sitting there. It's often boring, dull, quiet, hard to control your thoughts. Um, but from the Lord's point of view, when, when we listen, it's productive. Something's going on. Gears begin to turn. So let's listen. It's achieving something, even if we don't often feel like it. But the other thought I had was this. There's so many voices that fill our mind um, every day. Like, I remember, I, I've been reading, a, listening to a book called Stolen Focus, which uh, Brother Chris in New Zealand recommended for me. Great book, very interesting. And um, it's been talking a lot about how much information, how much media is, enters into our mind every single day. And, you know, comparing it to, say, the 1800s, um, it, it's just, it's not comparable. And what happens is every little piece of information that enters your mind takes a little slice of your mental pie. So your mind is so chockers now with constant demands on your attention that it's very, very hard to concentrate. And um, so, you know, that's a problem on its own. But even if you could stop that problem and, you know, throw your phone into the ocean, you'd find that you've been conditioned by living in the society that you're living in that your mind just can't sit still. It's so used to being constantly triggered every 10 seconds or so all day long that it's actually very, very hard to, to just to have a still mind. And, um, but the point is there are so many voices speaking that we don't even really have a lot of room for the Lord's voice. You, you might think that, you know, you're scrolling down your Facebook feed, not that I do that very often, but you might think that, you know, it's only a minute for this and a minute for that. You might think that the minute you give to this thing or that thing doesn't take up much of your time. Yeah, from a chronological point of view, it might only take a minute. But what happens is that piece of information goes into your mind and it occupies some of your mental bandwidth and now it will actually consume some of your processing and your thinking and will continue all day long. 
So your mind will actually be full of other stuff and your mind gets to a point where it's saturated and you can't think about, it's just not physically possible for you to think about so many things well. But the lifestyles that we live, we fill our minds with so much stuff, there's very little room for the voice of the Lord. So if you wake up in the morning, for example, and I've experimented with this, if you wake up in the morning and you decide to check your emails, if let's say that's the first thing you do, and then you decide to have a prayer time, your prayer time will not be as good as if you have your prayer time first and then you check your emails. Because you've already put into your mind all the things that everyone else out there is telling you they want done, or everyone else is telling you they want you to know, and you've already filled your mind up with information before you go to the Lord. Your mind can't concentrate on the Lord because it's, the bandwidth has already been reduced. So I've discovered that by doing experimenting, like I woke up one morning and thought, huh, I wonder what it'll be like if I check my emails first. So I've tried different things and I've come to conclude you've, there's something wonderful about giving God first place. So I'm not giving you any suggestions about what to do with the world you're living in right now or how to handle your phone or anything like that. But what I'm saying is there's so many voices that speak and they fill your brain up and the Lord's voice doesn't get much of a say. But when you come to listening prayer and you sit still, some, little bit, some kind of magic happens. You're giving the Lord a chance to speak and it's so rare. It's, it doesn't happen in this world we live in. It's unusual and even better if you can do it at the start of the day before your brain is filled up with all that other stuff. And I suggest let's give, it's a, it's a genuine gift you can give to the Lord. Giving someone the gift of attention is a real gift. You know, in, in a relationship when you can actually listen, and I, I know how hard it is to do, but you can actually give someone attention and listen to what they're saying, it's a genuine gift. That's something we should be given to the Lord. Genuine attention, saying, Lord, I want to know what you have to say. I'm going to sit with you. Um, I'm going to let the Word of God, the Bible speak, but also in silence and say, Lord, what, what do you want to share with me? We've got an opportunity to do it this week and then an opportunity to do it in an ongoing way and I think we should take that opportunity. It's just, it's just I think, the most important thing of all. So that's the message for today. Um, we're going to bow our heads and we're going to close. And um, Father, I ask your grace to be extended to us. We are so weak. We're just human beings, Lord, with so many faults and failings. We ask you to forgive us our sins. Lord, forgive us that, it, that we do find it hard to concentrate on you. Lord, that there are so many distractions. And we, Lord, we just come before you, come before the foot of the cross this morning and we lay our lives down afresh. We say, Lord, we are yours. And I ask that the Holy Spirit would strengthen us in serving the Lord, strengthening us in following him. And Heavenly Father, I pray that this week of listening prayer that's ahead would be a, a successful week. I pray it'd be a week where we all hear your voice. I pray it'd be a week where our hearts and our lives are knit together. And Lord, as a church, we uh, come into a deeper place with you. Lord, draw us close to you. Let your heart be revealed to us. Let our faith increase, I pray. So Lord, I ask you to bless everyone here this morning in attendance. Let the Holy Spirit touch them body, soul, and spirit, strengthen them and raise them up. Lord, I pray that we would be fruitful. We would mature as believers. We would be a blessing to others. 
So we thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray that by the Holy Spirit's power, this word this morning would be taken and applied to every life, not just in this moment, but in an ongoing way. So we thank you, Lord, for your ministry to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we're going to do, we're going to invite the band to come. We'll have a closing song. And then I'm going to get some volunteers to come and help me. While the, while the band is playing, I'm going to, if I could have two or three volunteers, and I'm going to sort out what's going on with these survey forms. So um, don't leave your seats. A form is coming to you. Now, um, if you don't want to participate, that's fine. You don't have to receive one. Once we've done that, hopefully, then we can share some tea and coffee together this morning.